Antivirus program for your mind. And, and now, the, the Freedom, Freedom Reporters. Good evening, everyone. We have so much to talk about tonight. Unrest at the White House, pro Palestinian protests. We have Donald Trump taking a jab at Vivek Ramaswamy. That is unexpected by some, but not a big surprise to me. Saying, I like this guy, Ramaswamy. I like everything he's saying. But if you go back and you listen to what I was saying, I said, there's something else going on with him. I can't quite. Figure it out. But something seems off. And indeed, tonight, Trump is calling Ramaswamy deceitful. We'll show you why later in the broadcast. Also, tax hikes all across the country. Uh, you know, municipalities facing real Financial challenges in Toronto, massive property tax increases coming at unprecedented levels after people there in a by-election put socialist, new Democrat, Olivia Chow into the mayor's chair. And tonight I'm going to show you what's going on in my hometown because it is illustrates the exact kinds of problems, challenges that every community is facing right now. And we'll get into some of the reasons why. Um, what else can I share with you tonight? Those are the kind of the big things we have. Um, Brendan's going to join us in a little while here on the program. And Liz Valley is going to join us on the program uh, in a little while. We have uh, homeless encampment being dismantled. If we can find some time to get to that, we have, uh, yeah, all kinds of unrest in the streets. 
it's not pretty stuff, a lot of this. We have Trump in Iowa. A lot of politics. A lot of uh, economic stuff. Yeah, so yeah, those are the main stories, but we're going to have more than that tonight, too, because it's going to be a lively discussion when my two friends show up to help move this program along. So don't go away. It's going to be entertaining and educational. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom. All right, so let's take a look at this first. We have uh, Trump supporters in Iowa lined up. Just, uh, just itching to get a glimpse of Trump. And they're there to vote tomorrow. Primaries kicking off. The whole world is watching in Iowa, and here's what it looks like. People are lined up to see President. So people are already lined up. It is freezing cold here. Noon it's at noon. It's 8.30 in the morning right now. You can see that I literally even feel my face so cold, but people lined up to see President Trump. And in Iowa. Iowa. Laura Loomer, by the way. So, and it it has been a cold day. Trump spoke today, and that's the other story that I neglected to mention during the headlines because we had our internet kind of just go out just as soon as we were going to come on the air. I had to reset everything, but we're going to be talking about these rolling blackouts out in Alberta. A call from the government asking people to cut back on their energy usage because it's so cold out there that demand for electricity has reached a record level. The province is having trouble coping because the previous the previous NDP government shut down the coal-fired energy plants, and now the grid is on shaky ground. So we're going to get into that tonight as well. Uh, but this whole thing with Trump and Ramaswamy, that is, uh, that's an interesting development. Let me just see here. I also had Trump dropping that flag in Iowa. When that internet went out, it just kind of really, really messed things up here. So let me run a little promo while I get these first clips queued up, re-queued actually. I had all this work pre-done, but when the internet went down at exactly one minute to air, everything kind of fell apart. So 
I'm riding on the by the seat of my pants. Here we go. Feel the vibrations. Our quest continues. The truth is out there. We are Mavericks. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever Independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. All right, so kicking things off. Trump went to Iowa and he's there and he literally did kick things off. And this is what it looked like today. At Fort Des Moines, as the GOP primary election momentum begins to grow. Here he is. So it's pretty clear, even just from those initial clips, those initial short videos, that Trump is the man to beat. He's way out in front. He has his base intact, heading into Iowa. And, uh, you know, the other contenders... Like uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, they are way, way back. And Trump has been hitting back at some of the attacks that have been coming at him. He's ramping things up, most notable. And let's just get right into it and cut to the chase, shall we? We've got this situation with Vivek Ramaswamy. So what's been going on with him is, you know, he has been you know, praising Trump, saying all these complimentary things. And I said, but does he really mean it? What's this all about? 
he seems to be saying all the right things. And the more I hear from him, the more I like him. But I couldn't quite figure out if Ramaswamy was positioning himself to be Trump's running mate or if there was some plan afoot to replace Donald Trump with Vivek Ramaswamy. It seemed to be one or the other, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I'm not sure we do have it entirely figured out, but tonight Trump has hit back. And, uh, and it's because of this kind of thing right here where he is being, where Ramaswamy is now being accused of being deceitful. Deceitful. Why? It's be, well, listen to what he's saying here. He's telling people that they, they shouldn't vote for Trump. It's, it's kind of odd, actually. It's this strange logic that he is applying. He's like, if you want to, if you really want to help Trump, you have to vote for me instead. Uh, that's kind of weird, I think. Here's what he was saying to this lady. Just listen to this. They are. They are. And they will stop at nothing, but we're not going to let them get away with it. I've got fresh legs. I'm not wounded. That's They're not going to let this man do it. You know when you this say is eliminate, that is what because you think it's false or because you think it's true? I think it's true. I think they will stop it. Because nothing to stop them. Stop I am, I, it's sad, but it's the truth. It's the sad, but it's the truth. So I'm but asking you to do your part, and we're going to. You know, when we, I can polls, we can do this. We can do this. They say, how do you feel about the United States? And I say, I'm worried and I'm fearful. My job that you don't have to feel that way in this country. But we're losing it. We're, lo it, it, we're losing it. It, it pains me to hear people. that. We need people like you. Young, vibrant. And that's where our founding fathers were. Yes. It's 1776 moments. I'm Iowa caucus. And I need emotional people. I'm emotional in this country. I need your support. To do this, I'm going to do my part. Okay, you're, you're picking at my shell. You are. Yeah. But... You know, I've got it's about this country. It's about this country. You want to save you want to save Trump to vote for him. I'm telling yeah. you that you have to vote for Trump. You're sending He's him but you're sending him to his own demise. You're falling into the trap that not only a country's falling in, but he's falling. You want to save Trump to vote for him. I need your support, the Iowa Caucus. That's a good argument. That's it's, a good it, argument. It's, it's not an argument, it's the truth. Do the right thing for for this country. That's what Thank you. For this country. Because the others. No, no, forget that. But this is this is not this is that's the truth. And I think and I think you know it. But this is yes. Yes. This is the truth. And I, what I just told you, I think you know that in your heart to be true. Do the right thing on Monday. That's what I'm asking you for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> If you want to support Trump, vote for me. <laughs> You're sending him to his own demise if you vote for him. What is that? That's not true. I don't think that's true. You know what I think is true? I think that Trump needs the people 
his his base, his supporters. He needs MAGA as much as MAGA needs him. If that relationship falls apart, especially right now, he'll be sending him to his demise. They might leave him alone, his opponents, the Dems, the deep state, because they might not perceive him as a threat anymore, but I doubt it. Not at this point. I think if he loses his, the support of his base, if the MAGA movement falls apart, right at this point, they'll be throwing Donald Trump in the slammer and not letting him out for quite a while. Because they won't, they'll want to make sure that they neutralize the guy for good. He needs your vote <laughs> more than ever. It's the support of people that will protect Donald Trump just the way that he says that he's going to support and protect his people. Now, it, who's, who's being truthful? The public can be fickle. The politicians can lie. People have to decide who's being genuine and sincere. <laughs> but... Vivek, yeah, you know what? I think you kind of took your mask off right there. Uh, and that's not sitting well with Trump, who has come back to uh, now for the very first time take some shots at Vivek Ramaswamy. And, uh, and now he's getting some coverage with regard to that in mainstream media and alternative media, all media. Here's Vanity Fair. Donald Trump turns on Vivek Ramaswamy. Don't get duped, he says. With Iowa caucusers, caucus goers, getting ready to head to the polls Monday, former President Donald Trump lashed out for the very first time at biotech entrepreneur turned to GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. He says, uh, quote, a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Trump wrote on Truth Social Saturday evening, adding that Ramaswamy, who has made a clear play for Trump's base, is not MAGA. And it goes on and says, though Ramaswamy has lavished praise on Trump throughout the campaign season, the GOP frontrunner said the support was de a deceitful and sly campaign trick. Trump's post came in response to T-shirts that, that the Ramaswamy campaign is distributing that read, Save Trump, Vote Vivek. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the new one. <laughs> save, the, save the other guy, vote for me. The line refers to an argument Ramaswamy has made on the campaign trail that the deep state or the regime won't allow Trump to become president for a second term. And he keeps saying they won't let him get anywhere near the White House. <laughs> the former president reacted to a post in which Ramaswamy posed with supporters in Iowa wearing the shirts. Politico reported citing an anonymous Trump campaign advisor, Trump advisor, Chris Lassivita, Lassivita, Lass, I can't pronounce his name, Lassivita, Lassivita. Okay. Sorry, folks. I don't know who that is. But anyway, also responded to the post calling Ramaswamy a, a fraud and a fake.
<laughs> Save Trump. Vote Vivek. <laughs> oh, that is a, that's a new that's a new trick. That's a pretty good one. I like it. Here's uh, here's the Truth Social post. I'll show you. <laughs> Politics. What a dirty game. It's a blood sport. Here we are. Let's take a look at this, shall we? Right there. Okay, it says Vivek started his campaign. This is Donald Trump's post. Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter. Quote, the best president in generations, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fall. MAGA. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll tell you the, uh, the the MAGA base is passionate, and they have been quick to respond and start calling out Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think that his uh, his tactic worked. I voted for Donald Trump, and I will do it again in 2024. Says this post. We want America first. Says. And Speedy13 says, replying to Donald, real Donald Trump. And this says, beware of those who show up out of nowhere saying all the things you want to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know that initially, early on, there were a lot of people concerned about Vivek Ramaswamy's ties to the pharmaceutical industry. But, you know, this is politics. And so while they, and this is, you know, this is the primaries. So you have, look, these guys are all competing for the nomination, on, you know, with the, with the Republican Party. So they're all opponents right now. But I'll tell you this, after this is all over, and then you get into the presidential race just between whoever the nominees are, likely Biden and Trump, likely again. Um, all the all, mo Most of the Republicans will kiss and make up. They'll be friends again. <laughs> oh, and there, see, there's the snake. Vivek the snake, it says there. Climate change, real. Climate change is a hoax. Uh, Vivek the snake. I agree with George Soros. I have nothing to do with George Soros. I support mask mandates. I'm against mask mandates. Trump sucks. Trump is greatest. I do biz with China. Ban biz with China. Forked tongue serpent of truth. <laughs> and suddenly, Donald Trump's greatest friend, the guy who said that he would... Uh, take himself off the ballot in states where Trump might be prohibited from. Deceiver. 
That's politics for you, man. And today, it felt a little bit like the old days. When I say the old days, I mean it felt a little bit like Trump's first run for president. In like 2016, if you went to a Trump rally, quite often there would be a heckler in the crowd and then they would, you know, remove said heckler. And that happened today while Trump was speaking. I have it queued here for you. Just to give you a little taste of what went on during uh, just a little while ago in Iowa. Here's the man. And this felt just like 2016 to me. And I did three, I did three rallies. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. That's all right. Go home to mommy. Your mommy's waiting. Go home to mommy. Thank you very much. So young. So young. You know? It's amazing, because that used to happen all of the time. And I don't think it's happened in two and a half or three years. That's the first. And she's so young. So young. So anyway, so young and immature. Thank you very much. Thank you. It always adds excitement, I will say that. Thank you. Yeah, they're not showing what's going on in the audience, but you get the idea. Here we go. That's all right. That's why we have America. That's okay. But they'll figure it out. You know, they're fighting oil. They're fighting oil. They're basically saying, let's close up our country because... Uh, if you notice, uh, China's right now building, China is building actually every week a coal-fired plant. And these people are fighting and uh, you're going to end up with a country that won't be able to compete if you listen to them. But they'll, they'll grow up. Thank you. They'll go up, they'll get older, and they'll understand that it's uh, very important what we're doing. We speak from common sense. You know, we're really the party of common sense. People say, are you conservative? Yes, I'm conservative. We did a lot of conservative things. But we're really not a liberal, conservative, we're the party of common sense. We want to have borders, we want to have elections, we want to have low taxes, a strong military. But anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that whole thing started because Trump was up there 
talking about his opponents. He was right in the middle of talking about Ron DeSantis being disloyal, saying that, well, some people think that loyalty in politics doesn't matter or people don't care, but he says, yes, I think they do. And I think he's right because we're seeing that tonight with the reaction from MAGA supporters with a MAGA base to the way Vivek Ramaswamy has been behaving and what he's been saying. And the other thing that Trump touched on there that ties right into what we're talking about tonight is energy. Talking about China building coal-fired energy plants, fueling their economy, energizing it, producing products and shipping them back to the United States of America and Canada, where unemployment remains super high and people tonight are quite literally freezing in the dark out in Alberta, where coal fire energy plants have been shut down by the previous NDP government led by Rachel Notley. Now, the new conservative premier, Danielle Smith, inheriting the problem, left with really no choice but to ask people to conserve energy. So that's all going on out there in Western Canada where, when, you know, that part of the country has been plunged into a deep freeze. I mean, it's bad enough where I'm at today. It's pretty darn cold out there. I uh, went for a couple of walks and, uh, yeah, my face just about froze off. But what we have here in southern Ontario is nothing compared to what they're dealing with out in western Canada. And we'll talk more about that a little later in the program. So don't go away. There's more ahead. Trump referred to that country as an asshole. <laughs> well, what was that? It was Haiti, right? I think it was Haiti. Yeah. Uh, and the media lost their minds in the same way they used to lose their minds when their collective minds, when he would have hecklers or protesters evicted from Trump rallies and they would string those incidents together and portray him as the second coming of Adolf Hitler, world's worst fascist, when indeed I think the truth is kind of flipped around the other way. But anyway, 
Um, well, it's not just foreign countries that he, he uses that pejorative term for. He also <laughs> he, he referred to Washington, D.C. in the same way in, this, in that speech. So here's, here's the clip. Get a load. And we will take over the horribly run capital of our nation. Horribly run. We have a capital that we all love. Right now, it's a rat-infested, graffiti-infested shithole. <laughs> Horrible. And we will... Oh, man, that's Donald Trump. That's what I mean, man. That he was like, it was like back to 2016. Uh, so he's, I think he's kind of pushing the right buttons that way. Because I think his base likes that. Wow. Wow, and here's but here's you know somebody else taking a pot shot at him. I, I'm going to run this clip of um, Marco Rubio mocking Trump, taking a shot at him for his poor spelling. Apparently, all right, you ready for this? I don't know. I haven't. I just found this one on the fly just now, but let's listen. And once a choker, always a choker. I guess that's what he meant to say. He spelled choker, C-H-O-K-E-R, choker. He called me Mr. Meltdown. Let me tell you something. Last night in the debate during one of the breaks, two of the breaks, he went backstage. He was having a meltdown. That's an old clip, First, he man. had this, this little makeup thing applying, like, makeup around his mustache because he had one of those sweat mustaches. Then... Then he asked for a full-length mirror. I don't know why, because the podium goes up to here, but he wanted a full-length mirror. Maybe to make sure his pants weren't wet. I don't know. Then... Then I see him pacing back and forth, and then he's huddled in the corner talking to somebody. He's like waving his arms up and down, and the person's trying to calm him down. So, anyway. But I'm, the, I'm a chalker. All right. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I would honestly, I just found that on the fly, and I'm not even sure how old that is. But anyway, um. And here's a clip from Vivek, I think, responding somewhat in this clip to what Trump has been doing, saying by taking some shots at him. Let's pick this. Okay, yeah, and I know that uh, he's going to talk about pipelines and oil, and I think that that is at the heart of a lot of what's going on in politics right now. Don't just follow the money, follow the oil. They've been lobbied by special interests who want that pipeline built. I'm opposed to it. And a vote for really any other candidate in this race, and I really want to make this clear, a vote for any other candidate in this race, for Ron DeSantis, for Donald Trump, for Nikki Haley, 
is a vote for that pipeline. All of them favor eminent domain for that pipeline. And the federal subsidies to go into it, which were signed into law by every president of the 21st century, Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden have all signed those subsidies into law. I'm the only candidate who stands against that CO2 pipeline. And so that's why if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, I'm asking you to vote for the candidate who speaks the truth to you. Any other candidate, a vote for DeSantis, a vote for Haley, a vote for Trump, is a vote for that pipeline because they want those subsidies continuing. They want that crony capitalism continuing. They are in favor of eminent domain. I am not. And I'm the only candidate to say it. They've been lobbied. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Let me just uh, just pull out of this for a second because there's something more to that. And um, that's not just about a, a regular oil pipeline he's making reference to. And I found that one on the fly just now too. So hang tough. I'm going to come back on the other side and might be able to clarify something. Fighting the Great Reset by leading the great, great resistance. Maverick News. The antivirus programs for your mind. Yeah, so as I say, this is about um, eminent domain for CO2 pipelines, CO2, carbon dioxide pipelines. He says it's wrong and unconstitutional. I know that these CO2 pipelines are controversial. Um, here's, uh, and because they're in Iowa, here's an article out of the Des Moines Register. With regard to that particular issue, it says Vivek Ramaswamy, eminent domain for CO2 pipelines is wrong and unconstitutional. Climate change fanatics revel in predicting the catastrophic weather events will destroy crops and hurt farmers, but bad climate change policies are now literally in the backyards of Iowa farmers. I've met Iowa farmers whose private property is about to be seized via eminent domain for a carbon capture pipeline driven by federal subsidies that enjoy bipartisan support. President Joe Biden expanded these federal subsidies previously signed into law, blah, 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 blah. You just heard him say about all about that, who all the other presidents signed. Um, the Supreme Court's most significant pronouncement on this issue, Kilo versus City of New London. This is like heavy duty stuff because, and it's, and it's the kind of stuff that really doesn't get enough attention. This is about energy. It's about oil. It's about um, new technologies being used to mitigate um, carbon emissions, carbon dioxide, into the atmosphere. And that's what these CO2 pipelines are about. Um, and of course, when you, you're building pipelines, you, in many cases, have to take those pipelines across 
privately owned land, and then the government will step in to expropriate land or take uh, take measures to um, ram these projects through where private property owners don't want them or through First Nations lands where they have environmental concerns or other issues or they want money or whatever it is that might be, um, you know, a sticking point for some of these folks. Pipelines, Keystone, the Keystone pipeline, these are big issues. And of course, the first thing Joe Biden did would, when he was elected, he came into office and he shut down a lot of drilling and pipeline projects and just shut it all down. And now you're seeing the results of that. It's affecting the entire world. It has, I think, lent, led to lent itself or has contributed to the instability we're seeing in the Middle East. It is um, it's actually a key issue that has not really been getting nearly enough attention. And there's Vivek Ramaswamy sort of alluding to it. And uh, we should be paying more attention. And that's why, too, you, you, you don't know where, where some of these candidates really stand or what they're really about. And he has been, I would call him sort of a dark horse candidate. You don't really know. And he's poised, ready to kind of come from the back and run to the front. That's the way he was positioned. But now being called out by Trump like this, every, the whole game changes now. And these references to the, to the pipeline, that says to me there's big oil money involved on probably both all sides playing, you know, having some influence over the way things are rolling out here. So, yeah, man, keep uh, keep a close eye on all this. This is this here is going to develop and evolve in, I think, some unexpected ways. I think Ramaswamy may have shot himself in the foot, though. You know, what he should have done, really, is uh, he should have just kept hanging in there, hanging in there. He should have. Offered to pull himself off the ballots if Trump wasn't, was was going to be prohibited from running. But he shouldn't have opposed Trump in the end, and he shouldn't have been telling people to vote for him instead of Trump. He should have just been taking his low poll numbers, and he would have been saying, well, you know, I think that that's because Donald Trump appeals to, you know, and I were, were kind of in lockstep on a lot of these issues. So, of course, we're sharing the voter base, but he's the guy. And then he could have been well positioned to be his running mate, his VP. But not now. I don't think so. Because now I think you're seeing that he doesn't really support everything that Trump supports. So I think that he was, he's been kind of, I think maybe just a little bit disingenuous at best and downright deceitful <laughs> and that is politics
Maverick News. The world is watching. You know, I think Gonzalo Lira, who died in a Ukrainian jail, is suffering the same fate as um, starv a starving artist, where his work wasn't valued that much when he was alive. But now that he's dead, suddenly people are taking a lot of interest in him. I, I mentioned him several times while he was in prison on this program. And I was like, why isn't anybody going to bat for this guy? Why isn't, why aren't other media members of the media, either independent or mainstream coming out and saying, what are we doing for this guy? Nobody seemed to want him. It was very, I thought it was very odd. You know, you, you saw that Jamal Khashoggi, He was murdered. Everybody freaked out over that. But um, here's, well, Khashoggi was mainstream though, right? He was at the Washington Post. And then it was it's pretty clear that he was killed or was ordered killed by that Saudi prince. And um, nothing was really done about it, but the media made a big, deal out of it obviously because the guy was essentially kind of royalty but the the thing is you've got uh gonzalo lira tucker carlson drew some attention to it near the end by bringing lira's father onto his program but now that he's dead suddenly people are very interested and they're using his death to you know, make real accusations against the Biden administration saying that they allowed Gonzalo Lira to be tortured and killed in jail. And now everybody seems concerned about it. It's the strangest thing. But here's a clip of Gonzalo Lira. And I think when you listen to this, you can maybe understand why Joe Biden was not going to help this guy. The thing I, you know, and maybe because he was an independent journalist, the MSM just didn't care about this guy. I don't know why the other independent media types didn't uh, didn't do more to draw attention to his incarceration. But listen to what he has had to say. And this is an old clip, obviously. But uh, this, I think, kind of lays it out and shows you why Joe Biden was no big fan and didn't lift a finger to help Gonzalo Lira while he was in a Ukrainian jail. Zelensky and Hunter Biden have a great deal in common, and you should be aware of it. You see, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, well, the cokehead of Kiev, because he is a cokehead, the cokehead of Kiev is actually a manufactured political figure. He was manufactured by a Ukrainian Israeli Cypriot oligarch called Igor Kolomoisky. Now, Igor Kolomoisky was the man who owns OnePlus One Media here in Ukraine. And OnePlus One Media is the company that financed and produced the TV show Servant of the People. And Servant of the People hired Zelensky 
a well-known actor in Ukraine, an actor with zero political experience or even any political interest, well, they hired him to play the role of the president in this show, Servant of the People. Now, Servant of the People had huge ratings, but a lot of people say that it was really weird, the amount of propaganda and PR that was done for the show. It was disproportionate to any other show of any channel. The amount of PR, positive press, and all the rest of it, it was really pushed on the people. Some people say it was completely astroturf. Some people who know uh, how to speak Ukrainian and who have watched the show have told me that it's a mildly enjoyable show, but no big deal. But anyway, the show was hugely popular. And it ran from 2015 to 2018. And almost seamlessly, Kolomoisky, the oligarch, created a party called Servant of the People, same name as the TV show. And their candidate was Zelensky, a man with no previous political experience and indeed no previous political interest. And Kolomoisky financed Zelensky to the point that Zelensky today is a billionaire. How many actors do you know are billionaires? Hmm? I mean, I don't think that Tom Cruise is a billionaire and he's the most successful actor in the world, if he's just an actor. Hmm? Zelensky is more than just an actor. Hmm? He's the finger puppet of Kolomoisky, this oligarch. And do you know who Kolomoisky also financed to the tune of $50,000 a month, plus additional benefits of different sorts? Hunter Biden, yes. In 2014, Burisma, the Ukrainian oil company, gas company, excuse me, hired Hunter Biden to be on its board of directors to the tune of $50,000 a month. Who do you think controls Burisma? Kolomoisky, the same guy who manufactured Zelensky as president of Ukraine. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that. Hmm? Zelensky and Hunter Biden are spiritual cousins. They are bankrolled by the same guy. It's funny because both of them have uh, drug addictions, pretty serious ones. Mm -hmm. Both of them get their money from Kolomoisky and both of them are intimately involved in Ukraine. But here's the difference, of course. Zelensky doesn't have a dad who's president of the United States, now does he? Why do you think the White House, the United States, is freaking out so badly over Ukraine? Mm -hmm. In Ukraine, there are all kinds of secrets. In Ukraine, well, see, the more unsavory people in the Washington establishment have used Ukraine as their private piggy bank to the detriment of the Ukrainian people. They have financially raped Ukraine, stripping it, of monies and assets, monies and assets needed by the people of Ukraine. And this is part of the reason that Ukraine is one of the poorest countries in Europe, if not the poorest country in Europe, because of the corruption, because of how Westerners have exploited it, Western politicians have exploited it. Hunter Biden, $50,000 a month. And you say to yourself, well, 50,000 isn't that much. Yeah, but you know, 50,000, dollars a year is the medium household income in the United States. In Ukraine, a much poorer country, $50,000 a year would easily uh, solve the problems of a good four or five families 
in Ukraine, the financial problems of those four or five families in Ukraine for a year. And Hunter Biden was getting that money per month just for himself. Although, of course, in the Hunter Biden emails, there's talk that seems to be true that the old man would get a 10% kickback of whatever Hunter Biden was getting. Hmm? And that was in the uh, laptop. Oh, yeah. Look it up. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take my word for any of what I'm telling you. Hmm? Look it up yourself and you'll find it. It's very easy to find. Kolomoisky, the Ukrainian-Israeli Cypriot oligarch, was financing Zelensky, was financing Joe Biden. God, else, God alone knows who else he was financing. And he was just one. There's a whole rotten bunch of these people here in Ukraine. And they were all busy paying off the West so that they could carry on their little evil deeds and whatnot. Hmm? If you want to know why the West is freaking out over Ukraine, you have to understand that they are all terrified that the truth will come out in Ukraine. And there you have it. Gonzalo Lira. is watching. Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick, maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The, the world, world is, is watching.
Okay, let's bring him in. Here's the man. Hey, back for round two. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Are you staying warm? It's a frigid, frosty day today. I have my high carbon output heating source going at full capacity today. We have the wood stove just blaring away. I like wood stoves. They uh, they feel organic to me. They feel real and comforting. You can take your uh, carbon tax incentive from the federal government of Canada and you could buy a cord of wood. There you go. And that would just make Justin Trudeau's head explode. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. It's a great idea. My, my dad has a wood stove and I love that thing. Um, I just, I just do it. It just feels right somehow to heat your house like that. It just feels, you know, elect electric heat. It, it does the job, I guess, but you, you know what I mean? It feels uh, synthetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my, my grandfather, he's 89 and he's still, he's still running the wood stove. Yeah. He's crazy about it. Can't my dad's him. my dad's 93 he goes out he chops wood he's uh, cutting down trees and yeah just no tree is safe when my dad is around <laughs> <laughs> and they were they, they they are freezing out in uh in alberta tonight um let me just uh, pull up this information here uh even mainstream media taking real note of this because they've got an energy problem out in Alberta where they are asking people to conserve energy. They, they, they can't keep up. They have unprecedented demand tonight and yesterday. Uh, they've just, it's so cold that they're, it's, it's reaching record levels of demand for electricity. Um, all that while you know the, the reason they're having such trouble is because they shut down um the coal-fired electricity plants when the previous government the ndp socialists under rachel notley were in power here let me just show you this we'll get the latest info here on this here's a here's a ctv Reference to it that everybody's talking about it. Every megawatt matters. Albertans respond quickly to emergency electricity alert. Albertans did the right thing Saturday night, unplugging enough that the provincial power grid was able to avoid resorting to a series of rotating power outages on a night when the wind chill readings across the province threatened to drop to minus 50 degrees Celsius. Minus 50. Degrees. Oh my. Is that wicked or what? That is cold. I've only experienced that cold once in my life. And uh, it's currently negative 35 in Edmonton. Oh my God. What is it here where I'm living? It is. I mean, I, over Christmas, people were complaining. It's not, it's not cold enough and we don't have any snow. I was like, 
No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, because right now it's, uh, it is not, it is not. What is the temperature? It's like negative 12 or something. Yeah. What is it saying here? This can't be right. Four degrees. Oh, that would be Fahrenheit. Okay. <laughs> you old timers and your Fahrenheit. Yeah. It's a whopping it's my, negative 12. In. Minus 15 here. We got you beat. No. You it's, guys deserve it. Yeah, it's frigid, man. Um, my dog doesn't mind, but I I do. It's uh, it's it's pretty frosty. So yeah, they issued this um, emergency alert, and you know this I hope is a wake up call for people because they're literally almost freezing in the dark out in Alberta. Here you have an oil rich province. Right. This is the province in Canada that has all, you know, the majority of the oil resources, energy, natural gas, which the government has basically gone to war against. They don't want it to be, you know, they don't want it pumped out of the ground. They don't want it used. They want to leave it there. Meanwhile, you've got the, the people are paying exorbitant rates for energy. And now the, the, they can barely heat their homes and keep keep the lights on. Um, what you, I think the term that best fits this, and maybe you would agree, is uh, this is called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's like, yeah. well, I mean, we'll just get rid of all this infrastructure. Uh, it doesn't really matter because if we don't get rid of it, we're all going to die, supposedly. Well, the uh, this this. Right here, this is literally how people can die. Yeah. If if they have blackouts and it's minus 50, people won't be able to heat their homes. They'll they'll it would it could result in all kinds of property damage, pipes would freeze and burst, all kinds of all kinds of problems, you know, with, with homes being damaged, um elderly people, poor people, and you know, not Oh, my God. The crazy stuff people do when they're desperate, too. Like, there was a power outage in Toronto a few years back, and there was this case where this this family lit a barbecue inside the house, and it suffocated everybody inside the house. And yep. when you're cold and you're desperate, you're going to do something crazy, or you're going to do something not thinking with your head straight. Yeah. I, I covered a story at one point many years ago where people were using, like, um, propane heaters inside their house and yeah they there was carbon monoxide that came off and they they died <clears throat> yeah whole family terrible terrible tragic stories that you know evolve from these things that this is the in a modern society with a modern economy there's no reason we should be in this position this is the result of radical politics, radical environmentalism. This is insane. And what are they going to do, Brendan, when they finally bring all these electric cars online? You know, that's that's the big thing. And I think the forefront for that is California. California is doing that already. They've already they've took the baby, the bathwater, the whole bath, and they just 
threw it away because they have outlawed gas powered mowers they've outlawed uh just about anything that has that that takes fossil fuels that you could think of that's a lot of stress on the grid when you sure throw is. electric cars onto it that's the West is so stupid, and meanwhile, China has like a, a million gajillion coal plants. They're like, well, it's nice and warm over here. Yes. And as I've been saying, these environmental groups, I think if you follow the money, you can find a direct link back to Middle Eastern countries, oil-producing countries uh, that don't want energy produced here because they want to keep us dependent on the oil over there. Uh, they... Um, when I just ran that clip from Vivek Ramaswamy, he's talking about CO2 pipelines, which are carbon capture pipelines, also related to the oil industry. And he's saying that he doesn't, he's against the use of eminent domain in order to get these pipelines built. And so to further explain for our viewers what that means is eminent domain means as they need to put these pipelines through private property, they use eminent domain to force the landowner to sell the property in order to convert it from private use to public use. And he's saying he's against that. You know what that really means? It means Vivek Ramaswamy is against pipelines. That means Vivek Ramaswamy is against domestic oil production. That means that Donald Trump is probably right when he says that Vivek Ramaswamy has been deceitful and is working for the other side, even though he has been saying that he's a great Trump supporter. Uh, those two things right there, just for me, prove the point. This guy is not what he has been portraying himself as. Do you have any thoughts? He's done a number of things with integrity, though. Like when uh, one of the states took him off the ballot, he was like, well, you know what? If this happens, then I'm going to take myself off the ballot. And I think everybody else should do the same. Um, I'm on the team. I'm on the side of this where I think. Well, let's take the, all, the whole de the whole Republican Party and and everybody who's running to become the next president. N none of these guys have a chance in hell. None of them. Mm -hmm. They never did. It's, it's all show is what it is. But the dream team, I think, would be Vivek for VP. That's what I think. I I think it's just a big waste of time. Donald Trump is up there in the polls. He's way ahead of them, especially since the day they stuck his mugshot out there. That was That was the moment. That's like those rapper guys who get arrested and then it boosts up their street cred. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's, Donald Trump now has street cred. Everybody, oh, every, everybody's up for that. These guys don't have a chance in hell. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're right about that. I, I do agree with that. I don't think that they stand a chance against him. I mean, if Trump is disqualified from running because of these legal challenges, then, yes, yeah, somebody else will step in. But... I don't think that's going to happen as long as he has the support of his base and he can, you know, and he can win the nomination. He'll, he'll be the nominee. I don't think that the lawfare is going to work against him myself, but, but it's we shall working see. to his favor. It's working mm -hmm. in his favor. 
Yeah. But you know, like I was, I've been like saying, I like everything Vivek has been saying. He seems like a, a, a great running mate and all of these things. But I, but I said, there's something doesn't feel right. There's something else going on with this guy. And now just today, within the last 24 hours, we're seeing Trump come out and hammer on Vivek because I don't know if you, did you see the clip? I know that you were coming in and you'd been working and, and couldn't get in, but did you see the clip where Vivek was telling that woman not to vote for Trump to save Trump. You have to vote for Vivek. And he's got these t-shirts now that say save Trump vote for Vivek. Well, of course he's going to do that. And I, where did I learn this quote from? None other than Rick Walker. Politics is a blood sport. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly Is he going right. to, it, there, there is going to be deceit. He's in the race to be the president of the United States. Do you think him and Trump are going to be like, oh, I'm sorry about that, but don't worry about it. It's okay. Of course, well, Donald Trump is going to be, gonna, be, be the out VP, there. That's what you got to do with Trump. <laughs> it's funny, though. I think some of this is actually funny. It is hilarious. Let's, I see Chris is waiting in the in the wings here. Let's see if she's ready to join us to talk about what's going on in Alberta. Are you there, Chris? Or are you just is that just your your icon? I'm here. Awesome. Are you going to turn your camera on or, or just audio? Uh, as soon as I figure out how to, just I'm, <laughs> I'm new to this. Give me a minute here. Uh, Push the button. There you are. Hello. How's everybody tonight? Excellent. I'm, I appreciate you joining us on the program because we're talking about how frosty it is out there where you're living. It's beyond frosty. It's not even, it's beyond cold. Uh, I've been out here 27 years and I can tell you, I've never felt anything like this. Like it's, I mean, it's so cold. You can literally see the cold in the air in the evenings. It's like a fog. Yeah. Um, what did just explain to people what part of Alberta you live in? Okay, well, I'm in the Eastern part around the um, East of Red Deer. So, um, I mean, a smaller town, but uh, people that, I mean, it's so bad that people have been plugging their vehicles in and they're not even starting being plugged in. Um, our Canadian tire store yesterday sold 35 batteries. Wow. <laughs> they're lucky if they sell one yeah. <laughs> once a month. Um, I had to get a boost and my car was in the garage. I don't have a block heater because my car... When I bought it, the lady had bought it from California. She always parked in an underground heated garage. I never thought about it when I bought the car, only to find out there's no block heater. <laughs> so I did have to get a boost yesterday. Today it started. It seems to be getting a little bit warmer. I mean, it's like it's minus 37 right now. But it, I think last night it was minus 52 with the windshield around 3.30 in the morning. So nothing, everything's just frozen, right? Like, I mean, even the animals, the wild animals, we have birds, you can see them huddled together near houses where the heat's coming out to try to keep warm. Here's a little tip for you that might save you and, and be uh, be an easy fix. If you, uh, you can get a battery blanket. Okay. Instead of a block heater. And it's just, uh, it's like a, an electric heater blanket thing that just wraps around your car battery. Right. You just plug that in, and that keeps your battery warm. And oh, that, okay. that way, your battery doesn't go dead. It because it's not subjected to the to the cold. Oh, right. 
Okay, yeah. I'll, look, I'll look into that. I'm thinking I might, I should probably get a new battery though, because mine's over five years old already. So, oh, yeah. But like, yeah, no, it's like, it, it's just, it's been brutal. Um, I had a new great grandbaby born last Tuesday, and I haven't even been able to get to the Red Deer. He's home now, but I wasn't even to, able to get to Red Deer to see him with the snow and the cold. And I mean, babies always come. <laughs> when, so tell us about that, that new addition to the family. Well, he's doing, he's doing really well. He was 6.9. He uh, was actually due February the 5th. They were going to induce her on January the 21st, but he decided last Tuesday during the snowstorm and the cold that he wanted to get born. So by the time they got to Red Deer, it was 6 p.m. and he was born by 1130. Wow. And I just, yeah, and I just got a picture tonight from my son where my oldest grandson who's nine is sitting actually holding feeding him tonight so i think that's really that made my day that's and as far as these power grids we have another alert for tonight yeah uh we had one last night where the actually emergency system went off on our phones oh wow the trouble is is that i mean you know they're telling you unplug your cars don't use your appliances turn off lights you're not using and don't plug in and don't charge your EV, EV vehicles. Now, what's going to happen when we all go to EV vehicles, you know? Right, like, yeah. uh, I, I've never seen emergency alerts out here. Uh, then, of course, then you, you get the, um, you know, how that goes rampant when something is posted. And then the, the non-believers just, they run wild with the stories. Yeah. Yep. So... A lot of people are going, oh, no, this is just a fear-mongering tactic. Turn up your stove, turn on your lights, get things going even more. And they don't realize that it's it's cold. It's it's the coldest it's been here in over 50 years. And yet, we are draining the grid. I mean, it's not that has nothing to do with the government. This is, I mean, we're getting power from Saskatchewan last night. Yeah. So, I just, it's just like everything that happens, you ever notice... It's always the government's fault. And I'm yep. <laughs> like, how, how is the government even involved with it, it being this cold? So I, I was curious about something, though, actually. Like, is there a lot of heat that is in Western Canada that's electric and it's like in the main cities? Is it all electric heat? Is that what's causing like the big problem here? Because I don't recall any of these alerts happening during the peak summertime where people would be running air conditioners no a lot of people uh we have natural gas that heats our homes um uh, the apartment buildings would probably some might be electric some homes might be electric but for the most part most people have natural natural gas that's heating our homes but you know you still have to have the power to get your furnace running right. so if the power goes out the furnaces don't run uh some people if they're lucky like you sir if you have a wood burning stove i think every home should have a wood burning stove i think they're fantastic i wish i could absolutely. have one absolutely yeah, i mean they're the best kind of heat i mean if the power goes out you have the heat you have the light and you can actually cook something on top because they get hot enough right yeah yeah we put the tea kettle on there it helps add um uh, moisture into the area into the room and all that sort of stuff and you can make a cup of tea cup of coffee yep. you know that sort of stuff i'm not limited to anything but uh like the yeah. last thing we want is the power to go out like i mean absolutely you know how fast a house is going to co cool down at these temperatures 
And if your car's not running, you can't even go sit in your car because your car won't even start to get warm. So we could be in real trouble. And then we have, you know, we have homeless people that sadly, a lot of their encampments have been taken away this week. They don't, a lot of them don't want to go into shelters for particular reasons. You know, you think of them. I mean, uh, I couldn't even imagine you go out for 10 minutes and you freeze here. Uh, I couldn't imagine sleeping in a tent. Uh, my heart goes out to them. I just, it, it's incredible, you know? It's, it's very sad. And um, that's a battery blanket for people who don't know what they are. Oh, so I see. Okay. Super easy. Oh. It's, you just go out, open your hood, wrap that around your battery, plug it in. It keeps your battery warm. And oh. uh, because okay. when your battery gets cold, it, that's what takes all the energy out of it. I, I have one and it works great, um, but it doesn't get nearly as cold here as it does out there. What other challenges are there for people when it gets as cold as it is? Well, it gets harder for well, like seniors that can't get out. So, um, you know, if you don't have enough food in your house, it's really hard for them to get out. Uh, the schools, they've been closed the last few days because it's too cold for the kids to get to school and the buses, you know, the school buses won't run. I think it was minus 33 or something. They, they won't even run. Well, they don't even start. Um, it's just it's just challenges. Like, no matter what, like if you say, for instance, if you're driving along and your car breaks down, um, to get a tow right now, they're saying it's up to, I think it was, the last I heard was 72 hours to get a boost from CM. 72 hours? Yeah, from the, um, is it C CMA or AMA? CAA. or CAA. They had over 10,000 calls between Friday night and Saturday night. And they just can't keep up. So they're telling people, you know, be prepared to wait long waits. Uh, if your car doesn't start, you don't get to work. And a couple of restaurants I heard in restaurant uh, in Edmonton, their furnaces have gone out and they're putting little space heaters on each table so people will come in to keep warm. And we have one restaurant in Edmonton that actually gives free food. And um, as soon as they see a homeless person or anybody even waiting at a bus stop, because that's another thing. Buses are buses are always delayed. Same as air. Um, I guess flights have been delayed or canceled because they can't, you can't, you can only de-ice at a certain temperature. After a while, it does no good, right? Yep, that's right. So... We've had flights delayed. We've had buses delayed. People can't get to work. Kids can't get to school. It, it, you don't realize how bad it is until it actually happens to you. I, and like I said, I've never, ever felt anything this cold. And I want to yeah. move. <laughs> and you were speaking of those homeless encampments. And yeah. in Edmonton, they were busting up a homeless yeah. encampment. Here's some video. <laughs> So they're arresting somebody at this point. Yeah, they're just making them move along. I believe his name was Cardinal. He had been at that encampment for a long time. Sorry, Chris, what were you saying? So his name is Cardinal, his last name, and he'd been at this camp for quite a few years. 
So he's getting arrested because he's standing up saying, I don't want my stuff thrown in the garbage truck that's sitting here. We're not leaving. So because of that, these guys took him down. Um, someone said they heard a taser. I don't think he was tasered. And then another gentleman got arrested. So this is how this is how they're treating homeless people now in Edmonton. They go in and they just clean them out and throw all the stuff in the garbage and whatever you can take on your bike, take. The shelters, a lot of them are very unsafe for these people. Um, if they have, you know, if, if they have all their possessions, they don't want to go into a shelter. I mean, a lot of these people are quite comfortable staying in their tents. I mean, yes, it's dangerous and it's not safe. But I mean, look at this guy. I mean, he's angry. That's his home they're taking. Uh. And like they took down eight of them in Edmonton this week. Yeah, this is tragic. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is going to be to that, but um, I guess Jason. Like kids there too. Yeah, with, well, there kids in there. Yeah, well, there's kids that live in the tents with their families. We have families that people work and they can't afford to live anywhere, so they're in tents with their children. Some people have campers. Oh, they were hauling away campers on them too. They got. They just bring a tow truck and take them out of there. So this is what Canada has become, and it's really sad. And Thank so many, and so many people are so close to losing their homes. You know, like a paycheck away. Yes. Yeah. And you know, like, and we pay, like you, you were saying, we pay our electricity bills and gas bills out here are really high because we have all these fees. So you might use ten dollars, say, of electricity. But your bill will be ninety dollars because the rest will all be fees. So that's what's happening. People are can't pay their bills. Like they're just going, This is ridiculous. Like they're getting five, six hundred dollar bills. So do we eat? Do we pay our bill? Do we pay our rents? This defies logic. You know, Alberta is the energy province. People there should be a wash in money. There should be incredible prosperity because there should be oil coming out of the ground to supply Canada with the energy that it needs first. We shouldn't be importing all this oil when we're nope. standing on an ocean of oil. Alberta has the energy. It should be coming out of the ground. It should be, you know, raising the standard of living for everyone out there. But what do we have instead? We have people living in tents, we have people who do have homes who are on the verge of being of freezing in the dark because the previous government shut down the coal okay. generating um, electrical plants, right? Yeah. Leaving, you know, not enough infrastructure there, enough generating capacity to supply the grid. So you have to import energy now from the neighboring province in order to keep things, keep the lights on and keep the heat on. In the middle of winter, when it's minus 50, putting people's lives at risk, literally, I mean, if, if it goes down, people probably will die. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just especially the seniors and the elderly people. If you don't have people, like I have really good neighbors here. So like if I didn't go out to my garage at any point in the day and open it, or if there was no movement, I know that they would come to my door and, you know, like that, that the thing they're saying people go check on your neighbors make sure they're okay you know make sure they have food make sure they have heat make sure they have their medicines that they need um 
I think at this point in time, people need to start start helping each other because the government sure is hacking helping us anymore. No, yeah, they're well, not. And and Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister of Canada, had the gall to tweet from her ivory tower on November 21st of 2023 that Canada is not and has never been broken. OK, there, lady, whatever you say. Yeah. You know, the, these are this is Justin Trudeau's report card that we're talking about here, folks. Cost of living, the uh, and and the, the expense of your everyday items. When those things are not in check, that is the government breaking your country. Canada is broken, Christine Freeland. Yeah, it is. And you know, out here, like we have Daniel Smith, and he's good in ways, and in other ways. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about her. Like I was when she first started. We had Jason Nixon, who I guess has got to do with the homeless people in that, and he was saying the mayor in Edmonton wants to call an emergency about this housing situation and the cold and everything. And Jason Nixon said we don't need to have that emergency call because it'll be political. That's all you want to call it for. This is what he's saying to the mayor of Edmonton. And there's no need for it because there's shelters for these people. But there's still not enough shelters for the amount of people that you're putting out of these encampments. And so I have to question the UCP's thinking on this now. Like, really? You don't want to cooperate with the city of Edmonton here? Like, uh, I, I just don't know what's going on. And like you said, Rick, we should be, we should have lots of money in our pockets out here. And you know, when I came out here 26 years ago, people had fancy homes fancy you know all the toys to play with a whole bit you know now people are driving back to old vehicles and i mean old. i've seen vehicles people are driving on a daily basis from like 19 in the 80s because they they had to get rid of their trucks their toys the bankruptcies out here are just skyrocketing yeah yeah and and you know and since the pandemic it's just gone the last three years canada has just literally nosedived it's it's terrible and uh, there's no need for it it defies logic uh, i i'm i'm appalled at, at what our government has done i've been saying for a long time the government uh, is being run by a bunch of uh, crazy people the, the lunatics are running the asylum for it's sure and i don't think and honestly i can't see anything changing until we get a new government I, I can't. I just can't. I, I think it's just going to get worse. Like, I mean, we're only into the, like, the second week of January and look at the chaos that's going on. Yes. Yeah. And these wars, I mean, they're getting closer and closer too, right? Yep. And that's actually related to energy, oil, and uh, and everything going on in Alberta too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all just, connected. But I mean, just remember, folks, like, okay, yeah, change of government is going to be a great thing. But politics is a slow battleship to turn around. Like, we can't have an expectation that there's going to be a new government come in, somebody new, and then think everything's going to get fixed. There's like, oh, eight, no, years, I, there's no. like eight years of damage here. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And that's what I tell people. Don't think that he's going to get in and fix everything, like, you know, in a day or two. You know, like, that's what people are thinking. Oh, we can't wait to get him in. Well, that's great. And he has a lot of talk. And he seems to have a lot of promises. But are you going to be able to keep all those? Because there's an awful lot of promises. And things he wants to do. Yeah. Well, listen, Chris, we're going to wrap up with okay. you because I've Thank got you. Uh, 
Liz coming on here to talk about uh, some other issues. Perfect. I'm really grateful for, uh, for you coming on tonight and giving oh, you insight into what it's like living out there in the, in the land of the, the true land of the great white North. And anybody living in uh, that's watching this from Alberta, please keep warm tonight. Cause it's, we got one more bitter night before things change. All right. Thank you very much and have a good night. All right. Stay safe. Okay, and that was Chris. Thank you very much for that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, our good friend and contributor, Liz Valley, will join us to talk about um, taxes and the financial challenges facing just about every community across the country, and we'll, we'll show you why. Don't go away. she is hello hi guys hey <laughs> the three musketeers reunite yeah. yes <laughs> thanks for coming on tonight liz no problem at all you know i'm always thrilled to be here yeah well it's great to have you i uh, and i'm you know i'm i'm again grateful because the there are issues happening in our hometown that i think everybody across the country will be able to relate to because it's all about taxes and what what's going on in our downtown which is something every community is you know facing challenges with and what's happening here is just so um cliche i think almost at this point that it it's worth focusing attention on it because even though it's a local story everybody's going to be able to relate what's going on especially after what we've been seeing, eh, Brendan, up in uh, in Toronto with uh, taxes there. Why don't you talk Absolutely. a bit about that? Yeah. Well, I believe uh, Olivia Chow, the mayor of Toronto, is going to be looking at uh, over 10% increase in taxes. I've seen a higher number that seems to be like some kind of negotiation with the federal government saying, if you guys yeah. don't give us more money, then we're going to do 15%, which is yeah. absolutely insane. Chatham, Kent, Ontario, I believe they're gunning for a 5% tax increase, which is quite high. Am I correct in saying that? I mean, I've been following you for some time in your battle here, Liz. Yeah. So for 2024, it's already been decided it's 5.53%. So Ooh. they did uh, budget deliberations and then voted uh, back. I believe it was the date was November 30th was the vote. And uh, so... There were five councillors that voted no on on that on the proposed budget. Uh, the rest of them voted yes to go ahead and do that, and that's where I guess I started <laughs> my battle. Um, so what I did in response to that 
it wasn't so much it was it was kind of multifactorial i think we're all sick of the taxes right i think we could all agree on that uh property taxes for chatham kent are one of the highest it, it, it's just astronomical for what for what we have um the the type of community that we're living in we pay way way high taxes it's just absolutely insane so when they decided to i watched the meeting i watched the meeting online about the budget deliberations and the there was a councillor who brought forth a motion, which we can talk about. Um, but while they were talking about it and debating it, one of the count other councillors had said, well, you know, if you look at the average property taxes and how much this actually adds on to their bill within a year, it's really not that big a deal. And with that attitude, it just struck something in me. I was like, you know what, that's it. I'm so sick of this attitude with bureaucrats, with government officials, like of all levels, right? But, the, you know, this is our local level. These are the people that you live with in your community and you're trying to yeah. say it's not a big deal. It's not up to you to decide it's not a big deal. Yeah. The way it, that it, people are suffering and like... Anything can be a big deal. When you have negative amounts of money in your account, anything can be a big deal. And so it's, I don't, I didn't think it was a, an appropriate statement to make. I thought it was very ignorant. So it, it, that, that was probably, absolutely. yeah, that was probably the thing that sparked me when she I, said that. I would say, I mean, the amount it's going to add to your tax bill this year is really not that much. Okay, but what about the increase from last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that? Well, what about the coming years? We, we've seen the proposed increases that are coming. There's no talk of, of lowering that percentage of increase. That's going up. And not only that, there's never talk of not increasing the taxes there's never talk of lowering the taxes that is not even on their radar ever mm -hmm. so what we just we keep playing this game for the rest of our lives yeah there, there must be places where they can cut spending i i think there has to be a ton of waste in, in municipal government 100 percent. so do you want to talk about the big one that I do? I, and, I, and I have video of the, the, the new big white elephant that um, okay. our municipality is about to buy. And, and this is something that plays out. I've seen it play out countless times in communities and it's playing out in this community right now. And be careful folks, because it is likely to come to your town soon as well. So take it away, Liz, and tell us what we're looking at here. So this is the downtown Chatham Center, and uh, it was our, the mall. That's what everybody in Chatham would refer, refer to as the mall. Um, the proposal here is to purchase, and I don't know if you guys know, because a lot of people don't know this. 
it's actually not the entire mall that they're talking about purchasing. It's just the Sears portion. So not this part here. If you follow this camera and turn to the right, so the opposite yeah, direction. I, I didn't, I did. I don't think I do. I walked down here because I was going to talk to somebody, oh. but on the other side, yeah, that's where the old Sears store is. Yep. So where the Sears store was, that's, that's the proposal is purchasing that part of the building and apparently also renting out the roof for solar panels of that building. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. what? Yeah. So, We're going to rent your roof to put solar panels on there? Yep. That's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the downtown Chatham Center just for people who maybe haven't been there or haven't been there in a long time. Look at it. Nothing there. When, Very little. Yeah. It, when I first... used to be bumping. It used to be. Absolutely. When I was a kid, it was the place to hang out. When I I first moved to Chatham, I was like quite delighted. You guys had a full-fledged mall with a Sears clearance location. You guys had a Kohl's bookstore. I was in heaven. And I oh, used to take my, I would take that escalator kids. hasn't run in how many years? It's just, Four. they haven't fixed it. And yeah, because there's not, there's nothing up there. The, the food court shut down up at the top of the, that escalator because the escalator was broken. So they just let the businesses go. It, I don't, it, it, again, what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah. So and, the proposal is actually to move the Civic Center, so City Hall, the museum and the library all into that old Sears location. Uh, and people who know Chatham know that the Civic Center, the library and the museum are located in beautiful buildings already. And one of the things that they said about this um, building, the downtown Chatham Center is they, they in the survey that they they put out, they made it sound like it's a a new building, like a newer location, you know, uh, in better shape, and and all of those things, right? The and Rick, you can probably corroborate this: the life uh, difference, the years difference of um, those two buildings is only five years. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I think that Chatham Chatham's City Hall is gorgeous yeah it, it's a great it's building a beautiful building it's on a better piece of property yeah i'll show you images here it's yeah, right okay. up uh it sits right on the riverfront on the, on the back side of uh of city hall the river is right there it they have a like a courtyard out in the it's gorgeous and there's parking all along the front like yep and on the other side of the street as well but yeah so mm -hmm. that's all parking there that it, construction isn't really like that now but yeah um it's uh it's really nice it i've never had an issue when i've had to go in in there getting a parking spot uh right out in front where it's easy to access that's not the case if they're parked in sears there's they they own that building right yep so like they look at all the spaces yeah. you could put solar panels on it <laughs> yeah, well, you, you could if you wanted to. And, uh, you know, the architecture is gorgeous inside. I don't I don't I can't say I haven't inspected City Hall, but I, I think this building is in better shape than the mall. Uh, I went down to the mall today and uh, and, you know, folks, this 
This is the kind of stuff that plays out in communities everywhere. You have to be aware of this stuff and be on, on alert for it because this is like, um, to me, this, this smells like a bailout for some rich guys who bought um, a white elephant downtown and, yep. and promised to do something with it when probably their intent was something other than that. And what's ending, what's happening now is I think it's, I think the purchase price for just that portion of the mall, as you indicated, is 2.9 million, but that will just be the beginning. Okay. Because here Liz is uh, this is the parking garage. And I know that the upper level of the parking garage, they've closed it off because I'm told that it's because kids are going up there and doing burnouts and stuff. But I know that if you get up to the top level, the cement is, uh, is deteriorating uh, up there. And as uh, I'll let you talk a little bit more about this, but I went over and I was looking at the parking lot as well. And the, a big portion of the parking lot is full of potholes. It needs mm. you know, to be resurfaced. And this is just me walking in there today. And I've noticed it a few times over the last few months that the parking lot's in terrible shape. Um, this, And I bet you that roof, regardless of what I was told today by one of the, the merchants in there, um, I bet you that roof has to be replaced. This, this building was constructed in the 1980s. It, they're not even fixing the escalator. What else aren't they fix, haven't they been fixing in that that? Um, that building and how many times has it changed hands ownership over the last even decade and now you have a partnership of five guys and we know who they are and you know they've they've made some contributions to the community but they've also been given a lot of tax breaks over the years yeah. in our town that honestly makes my stomach churn because they seem to get special treatment and it feels to me honestly and I'm editorializing here but uh, I think some of these politicians are afraid of them. And, and when they want to sell this thing for 2.9 mil, just a portion of it, um, something doesn't seem right to me after they just bought the thing not long ago. This uh, parking lot smells a lot like the Elliott Lake Mall collapse of 2012, which made national headlines because they had stated that the mall was a solid structure it had an inspection but people were always complaining about the roof leaking water and then at some point someone parked on top of the parking garage on the roof yeah and a car came through and crushed somebody and killed them it was quite tragic actually that ended the uh, career of uh, the former premier of ontario dalton mcginty because they said they weren't going mm. to rescue the person stuck underneath um yeah. the rubble but these things happen Absolutely. My, my guess is as well, you know, they probably put a lot more quality into the build over at, at, the, at the Civic Center when they constructed that because it was a municipal building than they did into that shopping mall. Because a, sh a shopping center, you know, they're, they're not really built to last like 100 years. They're built as an investment to just put retail in there churn and burn right turn the profit and they have a life expectancy and then dump them and get out um and i think this building likely in my <clears throat> humble opinion is probably at the end of its life expectancy and while they're telling the taxpayers that this is a great idea 
and we're going to revitalize the downtown. This will just be the very beginning of a giant um, money pit. I think that's what they're buying. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And yeah. even, you know, they want to move the library in, right? Yeah. I mean, you talk about government corruption, folks. You start looking at your hometown because this kind of crap goes on all the time. In, in community after community. And I've seen it over the years as a reporter covering municipal politics. Um, I'm sorry, but it, it, you know, I'm getting old, so old that I just don't give a damn anymore. So I kind of speak my mind. And um, okay, so where, let's just here, I'll show you the, the public library again. Uh, I think this public library is, is a beautiful building. Yeah. Um, as libraries go, uh, I don't see any need to move it. It may need some maintenance, but I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big proponent for fixing up the things that you have and getting real life out of it. And I bet you again, that they put a lot of quality into the build of this, this library when they constructed it. I don't know. The mall was built in the eighties. So, I mean, it's, it's 40 plus years old, 45, probably going on 50 it was something um, Rick, it was something like i want to say uh i i want to say by my memory it was 1983 because i believe the civic center was built in 1978 the year i was born and there's five years difference between them so yeah. i believe those are the dates but i could be off by a year or something like that yeah and i, I think the library was built in the 60s there's a cornerstone on the building it says like 1960 mm -hmm. something could be, but anytime I've been in the public library, it you know I don't I've never been in that building and thought, wow, this needs to be renovated or this needs to be yeah. fixed. It's it seems to be in really good shape. It's weathered very well. You know, it stood the test of time. Um, it's a nice size, and it's it's beautiful. It has giant windows out front. It's energy efficient because it lets a lot of natural light in. It's designed that way. I mean, it's. Um, and I, it's a much more attractive building than the mall. The mall is designed, it, it's been, it was never designed properly. That mall was designed, as many malls in downtowns are, was designed to prevent people from going out onto the streets to frequent the smaller shops. They have that big brick wall on the main street. It's just a solid brick wall. And why do they do that? So that they keep people in the mall. Instead of having them yeah. come out onto the street, it's done on purpose. Um, it, it really doesn't serve a downtown that well, other than it becomes a big anchor destination, but it's not that anymore. I understand that people want to revitalize a downtown, but you need to start to think a little bit differently. And I, I see municipality after municipality, London, Ontario, kind of the same thing with the old mall downtown. Um, you know, they put government stuff in there. They moved, uh, they part of Fanshawe College into the mall downtown, which, okay, I guess. Um, but I, I mean, I'd rather see him, this is just me, and you give me your opinion, but that rethink the whole thing. The downtown now is really where the Walmart is and all the big box stores, and that's the business district. Downtown is what it is. I say bulldoze the thing if you can't um, figure out what to do with the big building and put up some residential homes right in the center of it or build some high rises 
building apartment complexes there. Uh, they, they've talked about building and turning that into an arena. That could maybe be uh, something else that's viable. But to move the, the, the city hall and the library into that building, when you already have good facilities, you're just racking up the credit card. Yeah, and, and for no, something, no reason. Something, something doesn't sound something doesn't sound right here either because they're saying and the museum and this and that it's all going to be at the mall. And yeah. if the people really wanted to revitalize downtown, they would go spend money there. I could tell you right now, downtowns in this country are dead. All the financial institutions in my city where I live, they've all moved out. There isn't a single bank in the downtown. There used to be four. Well, for crying out loud, City Hall, I can walk from the mall to, to City Hall now. It's yeah. not like it's, 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 it's 10 miles away. It's a couple of blocks. So what, what big difference is it really going to make at the end of the day? Not that much. And then it's probably going to make things worse because now you're going to have a building sitting empty and they have to figure out what to do with that. And the library will be sitting empty and you have to figure out what to do with that. And libraries, um, you know, they need to find other uses for them because everybody's doing things online. Books are not used the way that they used to be used. Um, and I think they've been fairly successful in, you know, meeting spaces and turning them into sort of community centers. But you need to repurpose what a library is anyway. So why do you need all this space? But again, what are you going to do with the library building after you move out of there? Now you've got the Civic Center, you have the library, and why? Because somebody wants to sell something to somebody. And this, this all it goes all back to... It obviously all has to do with whoever is going to benefit. Making this deal, is, it has nothing to do with revitalizing downtown. Because revitalizing downtown would mean you're going to attract people there. Come on. You're not attracting, City Hall doesn't attract people. It doesn't. City Hall is there for a purpose, for services pertaining to the public, things that aren't fun that we got to go do at City Hall. Like, we're not going there to, you know, go shopping or to have a good time, watch a game or watch a movie or watch it, watch theater or anything like that. It, it's, it's absolutely asinine to think, to try to even say that it's revitalizing downtown. There's no revitalization about it at all. And then yeah. with the, like you said, with the accessibility, there's, it, it's going to be less accessible to people because they ha they're going to have to park further away than the current civic center. So it just, you, it, again, it begs the question, who benefits from this? We, we kind of know, we, you know, we already know who benefits from it, but there's got to be a bit more to it that we don't know about. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you start talking about, well, what, <coughs> pardon me, what happens to those other buildings? Is there something involved in those other buildings that is part of the deal? Yeah, I'll tell you right now that property down where the Civic Center sits, that's worth more. Oh, because yeah. it's right, right on the river. That would river be a gold property. mine, really. Yep, yep, yeah. Riverfront. I'll tell too. you this too. I'll tell you this. Downtown's designed backwards. It was designed um, in the 
in the early days because the river runs through there. So they would have deliveries for businesses come in on the river on boats and they would mm. put the stuff up into the stores from the river. Cool. But what they should be doing is doing, making, you know, developing the downtown so that businesses face onto the river and they should have the walkway down there and revitalize the whole downtown so that you have a riverfront walkway and, and, and turn things around that way in areas where it's viable to do that. Not to say you tear down the old buildings, but you could, you could start at the other end down there and, and make use of the river instead of just having it run through and, and be like something that, doesn't have an impact on the downtown. It's like ignored. Yeah, it's the those, biggest those, asset that the downtown has. All those spaces are quite ignored. There's Tecumseh Park there. It's been vandalized. There used to be all kinds of beautiful War of 1812 monuments. Well, people decided they didn't want those. They broke those and chucked them into the river and all this other stuff. The uh, riverfront walkway, well, that's trash. I mean, that's just where crackheads go to to, to go to smack. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. It's a depression. Now, I did make a new friend today, Jamal Gahulia, who is who owns Teas and Sweats. He has a a shop in there. I don't know if you know him. I don't know him personally, but I know who he he is. Yeah. He used to sell me my uh, rocker wear in Sarnia, Ontario. He owned a store in the mall here, too. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So nice fella. I just here. I'll, I'll just run a little video here while I inside his store so you can see what he what he's all about um i'm gonna queue up a little interview here with him just a little clip that i had asking for his opinions on whether he thinks this is a good, good idea or not and here we go So, he, oh, by the way, he wanted me to tell you guys that he has Detroit Lions merchandise for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. He does. He has lots of it. So, in fact, he points there. He says, oh, I've got Detroit Lions stuff right there. So that's okay. That's cool. There's so I'm going to help him out there and let everybody know that he has the Detroit Lions. You're going to be tuning into the game tonight, aren't you, Liz? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there, I gave I gave my new friend a plug on the show in case you want to buy any Detroit Lions merch. He's he's fully stocked. He's got everything in there. <laughs> but he, he didn't pay me anything of- to do that. He I didn't get paid. It was just an exchange interview for the for the plug, I guess. Anyway, here's what he has to say about. Um, oh, hang on a second here. Here's what he had to say about whether he thinks this is a good idea for the city to come in. Uh. You know, depends uh, if city is going to increase the taxes uh, of, of the you know property owners. Then I'm not in favor of that. But other than this is a really good building, yeah. and uh, it's uh, uh, you know uh, the new company that's managing it. They are trying hard to bring more tenants. So if the city comes here. Mm-hmm. City Hall comes here, it will be a great for uh, in the long run, it will be a really good for Chatham. Okay, so that's what he says, but of course, he's a merchant, so 
he wants something in there because you know it's it's pretty dead. He's been there. He was there for 16 years. He left to go retire, and then came back just for Christmas. Oh, yeah. uh, and I guess he's going to be there for a few more months. Is kind of where he's at. I think might stay longer if things are revitalized well, a bit. But yeah. could you imagine every person at City Hall that is in need of a gift for a loved one? That would, business would be booming for him. It'd be great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I don't know that he's, you know, I did speak to some other people who are like, I think the roof has to be replaced. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. It's, mm. it's they probably, but they've been patching it for over 40 years. Likely they, these companies that own these buildings, they, they patch them. They don't, you know, they don't have, they invest as little as they need to let's face it so so <sighs> speaking of uh taxes so liz i have seen that you've been very active with petitioning people and that you have a petition going around for chatham kent you want to tell us more about that i don't think we've dug into it yet yeah we we didn't we really kind of skimmed over it so like I had said with the, the meeting there with the budget deliberations, I had decided to create a petition um, against the tax hikes, against the 2024 tax increase. Um, so what happened was over the Christmas holidays, a bunch of us went around and collected signatures and we decided to do a physical petition rather than online. Um, we were worried with the online that we would get people from outside of the community signing it, <coughs> which would make it less legitimate, less valid. We were also concerned that, you know, having less control over it online than it being physical. Also, by doing a physical petition, you actually get an opportunity to be out and talking to each other, which I think is important. It's a it, it's a skill that we have kind of gotten away from and uh, we don't tend to talk as much as we used to. And so I kind of wanted to bring that into it as well. So we end up collecting over 1600 signatures. The petition is handed in to the municipality already. I had to have it handed in the first week of January. So I did not have long to do this at all. It was very, very fast. Um, but we still collected over 1,600 signatures regardless of that fact. And um, it's already handed in. Now, it's part of tomorrow's meeting agenda. So what has to happen is a councillor has to um, vote to bring it into the meeting. And then they all vote. And the majority of council has to vote, yes, we will talk about this petition in order for me to be able to present it and speak on it. So I guess I just have to show up and wait to see if that's going to be a possibility or not. So they, they may decide that they want to talk about it and they may decide, nah. So the, the thing, though, that what I did was I had put in the petition, I don't know if you... You probably don't have a copy of it, eh, Rick? No, I don't. No. Um, let's see if I can actually bring it up because 
it says in the petition, um, let me just get out of here. Um, it says in the petition, obviously it talks about the, um, the increase, the 5.53% increase. And then it talks about, so what it says is on November 30th, 2023, Chatham Kent Municipal, uh, Municipal Council has voted to increase the property taxes for CK residents by 5.53% for 2024. And whereas Chatham-Kent residents are feeling a significant financial burden already due to cost of living and inflation. And whereas the municipality of Chatham-Kent has a $195 million in reserves, a council member addressed this and put forth a motion during budget deliberations to use a fractional portion of these reserves, it, that was 10 million, um, in order to drop the tax increase to zero, but the motion failed. Therefore, the residents and taxpayers of Chatham-Kent are requesting that the Chatham-Kent Municipal Council eliminate the tax increase altogether that Chatham-Kent Municipal Council find ways to cut costs in order to ease the impact of an absence of tax increase. Also, that Chatham-Kent Municipal Council investigate the 2024 budget and find wasteful spending, cut unnecessary bureaucratic costs, new employment slash staffing ventures, and postpone or eliminate any projects that are absolutely essential at this time. Lastly, that Chatham-Kent Municipal Council look at the cost of moving the Municipal Civic Center at 315 King Street West, Chatham, the library, and the Chatham-Kent Museum to the downtown Chatham Center Sears building and discontinue that plan and remain at the current location in order to significant, uh, save significant amount of taxpayers' money. Yeah, so, uh, I I had included uh, the the moving of the building in there because they had already talked about that, and I already I had already thought that that was a ridiculous waste of money. Um, so I'm very grateful that I put that in there because now, yeah. it, you know, it, the comments were made. Okay, so about the reserves, um, they're very very. Uh, for lack of a better term, scared to use the reserves um, for us. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> they use it for other things. And, you know, I would love to see exactly where they have used that money. And I would love to see some accountability there. But when it comes to trying to save the taxpayers money, they're very sketchy about trying to do something like that. They're very skittish about it. Talking about, Oh, if we just get one disaster, then that could wipe us out completely. I mean, it's such a small portion that Councillor Doyle had motioned to use, right? Ten million in comparison to one hundred ninety-five million dollars. Yeah, but still. So I understand when I was listening to the budget deliberations. I understand the math. I get what they're saying. If you don't collect this year, then you have to increase increase next year. Obviously, they plan on just keeping increasing, right? But you also have to increase enough to make for what you up for what you didn't collect. 
So I get the math, I get the math behind it. I understand yeah. the math behind it. Um, I know for some people it was tough to understand the math behind it. It's not that's not it. We all know the other things at the bottom of that that therefore, right? Part of my petition, cutting bureaucratic costs, cutting job positions that just don't make sense that are not needed. Quit hiring your friends, like start trimming the fat. There's management positions that aren't needed. Whenever they put a program together, they, they, they employ way too many people. And then that money, it, it, it doesn't go to the people that actually need it, right? Um, looking at these dumbass projects that they try to put together, like yeah. we didn't need, it, it, as silly as it sounds, we didn't need those lights along the bridge. Like, People. So, if they're, you know, just we, we do have viewers like in the United States and all over the world. So we can't get into the too much of the nitty gritty of the localness of this. But uh, the, the bottom line is, and I'll get you to comment, Liz, is there's only one taxpayer. And this is these are issues that, as Brendan talked about, we're seeing this in Toronto, where in order to avoid this almost 16 percent tax increase to keep it to just 10 they need $250 million from the federal government in a transfer payment to address massive immigration that is coming into, into the country because they won't they need that amount of money just for housing uh, refugees and, and immigrants in the coming year. So these are the kinds of issues facing municipalities across the country. Uh, and I think that a lot of those kinds of expenses, too, are just going are a haven't even come home to roost yet for smaller communities like ours and yeah. other similar communities across across Canada. And I think even the United States is seeing this when you saw in Brooklyn in this past week, massive waves of immigrants coming in and they had to, they couldn't house them. They had to put them up in the gymnasium at, at, at schools and the kids had their their school canceled for crying out loud. So this isn't just you know, we're, I'm localizing this with Liz and Brendan tonight, but these are issues that are facing every town across Canada and the U.S. tonight. And Liz, right. I think it's, I think Liz is showing a valid roadmap that could be cookie cuttered for anybody. Everybody bitches every year. Oh, the taxes are too high. They're jumping the taxes out. But the difference is, is with Liz, is she actually does something about it. Nobody ever does anything about this, but Liz has done it. I mean, how many hours have you spent petitioning on this? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I It was such a whirlwind because not only was I doing all of that, but we were in the Christmas holidays. So yeah. I'm dividing my time up between work and um, getting the kids, well, getting my family ready for Christmas and spending time with family and shopping and you know, it was, I was so exhausted. I can't even tell you. And then I'm standing out in the cold, like trying to collect signatures and I'm wandering around town. And like, it was just crazy. It was such, it was such, it was wild. It was, it was crazy. I was so exhausted, but. What what was the overall response in a lot of that? Uh, I would say overall, it, people were happy to sign the petition and I, I kept getting a lot of thank yous, you know, for doing this. Um, the, the other thing that kind of struck me odd is sometimes as I was asking people if they wanted to sign it, 
people wouldn't sign it because they said it's not going to do anything anyway. And I was just like, but all you like, what is it going to harm you signing your name on this? Like, so what, like, why just walk away from me? Why not just sign it anyways? And if nothing comes of it, fine. But if something comes of it, then you put your name on it. Like you, you were part of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense to me that people say, well, nothing's going to come of it anyway. And just walk away from me. Right. Like it was just weird. I found found that uh, weird. So, you know, but then I had a couple of people, like I had some people say, no, we need taxes. Right. And, um, (laughs) I didn't really have many people willing to stick around and talk to me about it, you know, which I would have preferred. I would rather have a conversation. I I did have a couple of conversations with people who feel that we need it. But um, again, it comes down to they do end up agreeing that there's probably ways that we can trim the fat and save some money and not have it be such a, a burden on us. Right. So I think that's why I liked being out and talking to people because and unless you have those conversations, people just don't stop and think about it. They just go about their lives. And um, you guys hit the nail on the head about doing something about it, about, you know, when I was campaigning, everybody kept before that, everybody kept saying, you know, get involved in your local government. And the municipality is right where you have to start, right? Like I kept hearing that all the time before and throughout my campaign and even afterwards. And so when I did this this petition, that was another thing because, I mean, come on, there's other taxes we could be trying to fight, right? Like there are. There are other taxes that we could be trying to fight, but this is the local level, And when you're talking with your local people, the people who are living right in your community, this is a path where you can actually make change. It's the easiest, quickest way to start making change. And even if it's a small amount of change, even if they they say, you know what, we can't do anything this year, but then they start thinking about 2025 and they actually start being um, transparent, looking at things, being careful with our money and start start setting that example for other municipalities, that would be such a that would be su- such a huge thing. And then you know other people everywhere could see, well, if you do actually go in and start telling them what you want out of your government, you can start making changes. Well, you've been active, you've been involved, and, you know, our friend Rhonda at Jubinville has been on the show, and she's on on council, and she has been making a difference, and uh, I don't know, Liz, maybe she needs a friend over there in in council. Um, uh, Do I, maybe, maybe you might want to run for city council? I think you would nail it on the head. I think you care about your community. You're, 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 uh, you're a leader, for sure, because nobody else, like I said, people don't do anything about this stuff i'm proud of you it's great Thank and you. uh yeah uh, i i think that there's a looming question that's sitting in my mind here with these increases to the taxes that it doesn't appear that municipal governments have a grasp that we're going through turmoil with our economy and through our cost of living right now and i think 
failure to acknowledge that would be a deadly sin. Absolutely. And it, it's not all of them. I mean, there were five that did not say yes to the budget, right? And I've been in contact with um, a couple of the counselors and one of them in particular, we're, we're not on the same political spectrum, but we're in agreement on this particular topic. And it, it's again, the thing that I've been saying all along as I've been that like, you know, all through all of my battles that I've battled is it doesn't matter if you're not on this, if you disagree with somebody, eventually you're going to find common ground if you just talk to each other. And we talk to each other and we've found common ground here. And there's, there's certain people on council that actually care what happens to the citizens of Chatham-Kent. And that's what it comes down to. So the other ones that make snide remarks about it not being a big deal or that Councillor Doyle just wants to make himself look good. Th th that's who I'm fighting. That's who I'm fighting. And that attitude is what I'm fighting. And I have no place for that attitude. That is an attitude of absolutely taking things for granted and being completely out of touch with their people. So I hope a lesson is learned through this at least. And I hope they can see that. I mean, it, it just, I, I just wish somebody like that would take a walk around downtown, just take a walk around, talk to the people, ask people what they're going through. Ask them what it's like to have their hot water shut off. Ask them what it's like to get a notice that they may lose their house next month if they don't pay their mortgage. You know, like yeah. I had well today when I when I went down to the mall, there were just there were people just sitting in there trying to stay warm. Exactly, that's what was that what was going on down there? Yep. Yeah. So that's what downtown Chatham has become. And it's and it's not even just downtown. Obviously, we we know that it's there are people who have had it pretty good in the last three years have been, you know, going on four years have, have been just awful economically for people. And for, for some people, they used all their resources that they had through COVID. They were struggling already through COVID. They were doing okay. And then the struggle came and the struggle is getting worse, not better. And they've already used up their resources. So now what? So there's people in, in suburbs in all sorts of neighborhoods, right? Like all spread out all over this community that are at the brink of losing everything. And my heart breaks for these people. And that's why I do these things because I can't stand by and not say something while counselors are saying things like that. Well, Liz, I know that you have to move along and go watch that Detroit Lions game. So we're going to let you go, but I'll be keeping an eye on you tomorrow night when you're down there at the civic center for that council meeting uh, to deal with your petition. And they're also going to, be talking about this 
issues surrounding the, the possible acquisition of a portion of the mall. Yes, they'll be voting on that tomorrow night, from what I understand. So um, if anybody is listening or watching from the Chatham-Kent area, you can submit a deputation by noon tomorrow, and you can have your say at the council meeting, if you want to, about this move. So if you have that ability to do that, or you have a family member or friend that is really good with something like that, please submit a deputation. They need to hear from us because unless we say something, they think everything's all good and fine. Okay, so if you can do it, please submit, come and say something. You can also come and watch the meeting and just, just so you know, so you're up to date on what's going on. Awesome. Liz Valley. Get you in there, you. Rick. <laughs> What's that? We should get you in there for a Rick rant. Ah, well. Yes. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I can just see you right in the face, just rah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And leave Rhonda alone. Yes. She's a nice person. <laughs> be nice to her. Okay, guys. Um, Liz. Go enjoy that game. And okay. uh, Brendan, I'll catch you on the other side of this and we'll uh, we'll continue the broadcast. Thank you, Liz. Really appreciate okay. it. Okay, I'll I'll be I'll be in touch. Okay. Okay, see ya. See ya. Feel the vibrations. Our quest continues. The truth is out there. We are Mavericks. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now, at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind So, Brandon, the uh, the other thing I wanted to do here was my new friend, Jamal. How do I pronounce his name? I want to make sure, try and get it right. Gahunya. Tease and Sweats, who you know, right? Well, he, uh, apparently he does a lot of charity work, too. Okay. And, uh, and he works with the Kent Sikh Society, and they have been working to send humanitarian aid to various countries in the Middle East. So I just wanted to run a little clip with him before we move on, uh, just to kind of give him a plug that way too, because I think that they are trying to do some good work and he seems to be a man of peace. 
And we need a whole lot more of that in the world, I think, these days. Uh, so I just thought I'd share that with our viewers, if you don't mind. Oh, I'll just absolutely. take but a moment. Here we go. So what kind of humanitarian work do you do? Do you send? The, wherever some natural disaster happens, yep. we try to send a help there. Through There is uh, some other organizations like Causeside, United Six, and they are known now worldwide for doing humanitarian work. They reach it, uh, you know, everywhere, wherever pe uh, people are suffering. They are, um, they you know, provide the food, clothing, medical help. Mm -hmm. So everywhere, there's no matter of caste, creed, color, or any. So they go to any country, wherever humanity is suffering. So we support those organizations also. We use their help because we can't go there personally. Mm -hmm. And their volunteers are already there. So we support them, to, you know, uh, so we get the work done through them. You must be very concerned about everything going on over in the, the Middle East right now. That's right. So this here should not be, you know, anywhere in the world, you know, innocent people should not be being killed you know yes right yeah. so and uh, canada is a peace loving country and i will request the you know our politicians to play a mediator's role mm -hmm. rather than sending uh, tanks or you know missiles there yes. eventually it's going to be solved by table talks. Yes. It's not going to be so, get, you know, the more people being killed, that's not going to solve anything. I agree you with know? that, yes. So yeah. it will, they should bring to the table and then find the, you know, solution for all these problems. Uh, so, you know, every life matters. You know, mm -hmm. so it should not be happening if innocent people should not be being cared. Yes, and and Canada has yeah had a reputation for being peacekeepers. That's right. right? That's a peace-loving country. That's what I said. So it's, yeah. they had a history in the act, and uh, so they should continue that uh, reputation uh, being a you know a peace-loving country and play the ro similar role to bring wherever any conflict is instead of uh, uh, giving them the missiles or tanks and all that so they should try to resolve by you know uh, bringing them to the table so yes i appreciate you taking the time very no, much no problem that was very well spoke yeah we've been saying it so, forever yeah and mediators, not tanks. Good idea. Great idea. Um, growth, not destruction. Build, don't destroy. You know, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to turn people on to democracy by bombing them. Um, you're not going to solve this problem in the Middle East with, between in Gaza with. Um, force ultimately it's just going to come back and bite you in the long run yeah I it's think so. not the answer yeah 
And I mean, how many how many people around the world have swore a blood feud with the United States or whatever? Because like out of nowhere, some mm -hmm. drone just killed their uncle or something like that. I'm, yep. I I was always a stringent. I was always stringently against everything that, like, all these wars that we have been doing. It's just, I'm tired of it. It is so yeah. sick. I understand the need to have a military to, de to defend yourself against attack. Defense, yes. Aggression, no. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, I don't, I don't, pretend to have all the answers and, and a lot of this stuff does get complicated, but we need to start taking some different approaches. I don't think there's any question because here, Brendan is what was going on outside the white house over the last couple of days, mainstream yeah. media, not giving this much attention, if any at all, actually. Does it look like a solution is at hand to you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. However, I will observe something casually, if you will. Yep. Look, looks like identity politics is starting to blow up in our leaders' faces. Mm -hmm. FJB mm -hmm. is our thing, man. Just saying. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Get your own slogan. <laughs> yeah. No, they, 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 I, I don't, I honestly don't care about that. But th this is what we just watched there was identity politics imploding in Joe Biden's face. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's neoliberal wokeism for sure. Identity politics. And it's, um, it's fascinating to watch this happen it's like i've been saying this is the convergence um that i've been telling people was coming it has already happened really just people weren't aware of it but it's the convergence of communism or or extreme socialism and fascism and that's why that a cartoon this week is so appropriate it's right on the money as far as i'm concerned you mix in your marxism and your fascism and you're getting your globalism and it comes green, out green agenda. Yeah, you're, that's right. Yeah, all that stuff. And including your anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. It's all wrapped up in that. And and it looks like this. Hands off Yemen. 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 
okay, so we know what they want. They want your hands out of Yemen and more. Now, I, I had observed some reports that some people made it over the fence last night. Is mm -hmm. that true? I don't know. Are there reports that uh, can provide confirmation on that? I am just double checking quickly. Two arrested for assaulting an officer during March for Gaza uh, yeah. in Washington. 22 hours ago, yeah. I mean, that happened yep. last night while we were on the broadcast. And then, then the subsequent one after that says no arrests after anti-Israeli protesters clash with police. So it looks like sort of from two days ago, two people arrested. Last night, nobody arrested. And I would say that display with the people rattling that fence, look, trying to knock it down, that to me looked as bad or worse as than anything we saw during J6. Yeah, because if you think about it, it's it's like Joe Biden's house, his temporary house, if you will. Yeah. I don't even know if he's in there, but he supposedly is he's figuratively is supposed to live there. What are they what is their objective in knocking down the fence? What are they looking to achieve in doing that? Right. Something tells me it's not to sit him down and make him a cup of tea. Yeah. Uh I don't know what but, would what they would do if they if the fence went down, but but I, I don't think it would be pretty. I don't think there's much of a correlation though between this and J6. No, no, not and no, I, I'm, actually the opposite. I I think that I'm a little tired of like right wing pundits on like Twitter and elsewhere, always being like, "Well, when the oh, why aren't you going to freeze their bank accounts? Why aren't you going to treat them like J6ers?" It's like I understand why you're angry, and I understand that there's a massive hypocrisy. But I thought we were all better than this. At yeah. least I thought. Yeah, well, you know, things got out of hand on J6. I don't think it was an insurrection, but it was no. a protest that went too far. And that's unfortunate. Do the people deserve the, uh, the level of punishment that they've been dealt? No, not in my opinion. But... Uh, yeah, not in my opinion either. And and there's also all kinds of, of things that have been hidden from the people. Like the government has not been honest about what has actually happened on January 6th at the Capitol building. So there's that factor to it too, where, I mean, Ray Epps gets a year probation and a $500 fine. And meanwhile, I think there's still some, some grandmas rotting away in a prison cell in the United States for... Uh, being welcomed into the Capitol building. The other thing, you know, is Vivek Ramaswamy is telling people not to vote for Trump, to vote for him in the Iowa primary. And, you know, if Trump doesn't, if he's not the president, those J6ers who are sitting in jail right now, they're going to be in trouble because they need him to get in there to pardon them. He's He said he would. And that means a whole lot of people would be getting out of jail, I think, as soon as Trump is elected. That's what I think we could expect to see forthright.
But um, it makes me wonder about a lot of things going on when I'm hearing Vivek say, don't vote for him to save Trump, vote for me. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's 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 a BS tactic that he's doing, and he's hoping it's going to help him out in the polls, but it's not. But I have no. to say, like, like I'm kind of excited for this year. We are in like the ride of our life this year. With, I mean, look, even to even be doing a podcast right now for for this upcoming year with all the exciting events that are happening, like this is going to be a wild ride, like very wild. It's going to be wild. I don't know if I'm excited about it. I'm. It's a, you know, I have to say it is an exciting time to be alive, but, and I don't know if it's necessarily excitement in a, in a real positive way all the time. But it could uh, be positive. Something positive could, could, can come out of this. It, it could be, I suppose. There is a lot of uh, negativity out there right now, though, and, you know, hate coming from all sides, both sides, especially when it comes to the Israel-Hamas-Palestine issue. This was in um, New York, and this woman was watching these protesters from a balcony, I guess. And she came down to talk to them to say that her friends were being held as hostages in Gaza by Hamas. And they responded to her by telling her to basically screw off. She's down there. You know, let the hostages go, right? So we will continue our duty. Israel will fall. Israel will fall. All our sons and all our daughters. All our sons and all She's my friend. She's a prisoner in Gaza, and I want her to be released. This is my thoughts. I wanted to be there. I, yeah, I just saw him. Like I live here, very close, and I want Tommy to be back. Tommy should be her. We just want the hostages home. So join us. Simply thoughts. I will window. Yeah, and I so saw join it. Us. And join this is Omi. She is my friend. I yeah. yeah, I'm Israeli. I live in the same village where Omi lives. We live in the same village, on the same village. I can't stand that chanting like that chanting. You know, if they released the hostages, I think it would, it would, they were told, you release the hostages and the hostilities stop and they're not yeah. releasing the hostages. So who's to blame? I don't know. This, uh, you know, it goes back and forth. Um, I've got, Brendan, I, I, I think that um, a lot of the people who, 
analyze this, lose sight of the fact that uh, when it comes to the Islamists and organizations like Hamas, there's yeah. a religious aspect to this. Um, there's an element of martyrdom, um, yeah. a, a culture of martyrdom that people are not really understanding here in the West. And that's what's also complicating this whole situation. Um, and a complete disregard for that that woman who's still being held in captivity. This is unacceptable. Um, yeah, it is. Are, and, it, it, it's sickening. And then it's also sick that there's a large proponent of people who don't understand the law of consequences. So they went in there with a big stick and they hit somebody and they hit somebody real bad. Now, Israel's going in there. They took away the stick and they don't like it. It's a big but even even with uh, uh, political groups going after uh, the bookstore in Toronto, Indigo, now 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 the liberal left is calling them the Indigo Eleven. They're giving them cool names. They don't believe in consequences. They don't understand consequences. They believe that they should be able to hit you with a stick. At their beck and call, it doesn't matter what how, what type of harm happens to you. They get to do whatever they want, and when you retaliate, oh, look, they hurt me. Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely sick what they did that day. It's absolutely sick what the, uh, uh, the Canadian Union for Public Employees did, QP, in celebrating... Uh, what happened that day? It's absolutely sick that Black Lives Matter posted that that graphic with the um, the paraglider person. Like this is disgusting. This th mm -hmm. they want. They don't understand any of this. On yeah, and and to to explain to people what the Indigo Eleven is all about. Here's. Um... One of the articles, this is Toronto Star's report on it. Here's an image. And um, did you want to explain what uh, what you know about this, Brendan? Well, just the reader's notes quickly that uh, the, the president of uh, Indigo, which runs a chain of Canadian bookstores and stuff like that, they're connected to Coles and Chapters. Uh, he had come out with support for Israel, and so there was 11 individuals, uh, many of which are uh, community members. Uh, one of them was like an accountant for QP, uh, people from universities, from school, basically a lot of highly educated public sector workers that right. take gobs of money. So they went and did this. They vandalized the bookstore after the president and CEO of Indigo said, uh, well, you know, this he gave opinions about about uh, the Palestine issue. Yeah. And now they're right calling here. them the the Indigo 11. Like what are you doing? Like you should call them the anti-Semitic 11. Yeah, under the cover of darkness, a group gathered in downtown Toronto with posters painted and a plan. The pro-Palestinian activists were there to make a splash, something that would visibly link an iconic Canadian business, Jewish to the killing of thousands of civilians in the Gaza Strip. They had picked a target long linked to support of Israel, Indigo and its CEO, Heather Reisman. 
They glued dozens of posters, which included a mock-up of Reisman's Heather's Pick Seal, then splattered red paint in a way that would make it look like copious amounts of blood. Then they fled into the night. So, this couple this of ways to look at this. There's a couple of ways mm -hmm. to look at it, but go ahead. I was just going to say this whole article is about, oh, let them be. They didn't do anything. It was just mischief. This mm. is anti-Semitic. Screw you guys. Right. It's like, um, yeah, the, the article does talk to people who basically make excuses for them and say that it's like, well, it's like uh, um, this is modeled after protests, anti-apartheid protests in South Africa. Right. Um, well, you can look at it that way, but it depends on, you know, how you interpret the messaging here. OK. And I would say that this is this this kind of does cross the line. This is anti-Semitic. It's aimed at a business. This is this is this echoes what was seen in Nazi Germany. Yeah, prior just prior to the Holocaust, right? This is how it Absolutely. ramps up. This is a repeat, man. Step for step. And I, I think like there's no personal responsibility here, and I don't think we're gonna get it from these people. Like it's 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 just I makes me so angry. I, I don't know. Like, what it's say. scary. It's scaring me, Brendan. I did not realize that this was even out there in our communities. Um, I, maybe people were just hiding it. It just seems to me, honestly, that somehow some button has been pushed inside people some, some way. Uh, and it's just turned something on in people that yeah. was was never present before. I never heard talk like this from people even a year ago or two years ago. Now, I've been observing this narrative being this woven into the politics that people are being fed online. And I really kind of became aware of it about a year and a half ago, Real began to realize what it was because the language was changed and I was trying to warn people here on the program about it. And here it is. And it's resulted in this. Uh, uh, but it's it's appalling to me. Um, I don't want hatred on either side. This is unacceptable. But, you know, it's much higher. It's yeah. ramped right up on this side, though. The other stuff, I'm not, you, you understand what I'm saying. It's not, it's not proportional. Saying. Yeah, it's, no, uh, it, it, it's it's not proportional. The and I I'm also curious to know, like, these people are dropping everything in their lives to go and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. I would, I didn't even know the whole Palestine thing was a thing until my grade twelve year of high school when there was someone of Middle Eastern descent. They did like a social studies program on on what Palestine was and what that was all about. And my family is quite pro-Jewish. My mom has been to Israel. Um, I know people in Israel. I 
I have never understood it that way. And I've always understood it from the fact that the Romans, after they invaded and took over Israel, they gave the land the name Palestinia. And that was granted by, I can't remember the name of the emperor, but this is solid history fact here for you, that the people that accused the Israelis of being occupiers were given their names by an occupier. It, it, this is just such a ludicrous thing, and I don't even know if you were to ask these people if they would be able to give you any type of answer about any of this stuff other than free, free Palestine or from the river to the sea, whatever. They, they just know the buzzwords. When you um, are a government and you are trying to create a color revolution or a revolution of any kind, but in particular a color revolution, those chants are a key component in, manip in crowd manipulation and, and population manipulation. They need those chants. Um, in fact, if you go and watch that movie, Ukraine on Fire, um, that Oliver Stone movie, he makes Fantastic. reference to that and the need for that. And you see it repeated over and over again. It's those chants. It's the rhythm of that. And it people start to just recite it. And you're quite right, Brendan. I think that the, a lot of the people out in the streets chanting that don't even realize what it means or they don't have a, an understanding even of the issue beyond that, really. No, absolutely. It's Middle East is a complicated place and we just need to stay out of it. Like it's none of our business. We should offer our mediation and we should offer peace. But one thing we definitely shouldn't offer is we shouldn't take local government institutions like they did in San Francisco, where they did a vote to do a ceasefire, which A, that's out of your jurisdiction, B, it's a waste of time, and C, you're an idiot. Like, it's well, you know, I have to say my position on this is a little bit different. I think yeah. we need to take steps to make sure that the two sides don't kill each other. I think that we do need to be involved here because we have some level of responsibility given the history, given the way Israel was created after World War II. And because we are a NATO member and because we're, you know, aligned with the United States and we do have direct ties in many respects to Israel um, and even, you know, with all the people from Palestine who live here, we have connections to both sides. And I think we have a responsibility to be involved in a way that brings the killing to an end and we find a resolution to the problem. I think that we need to be more like a big brother or a, a parent, honestly, and stop taking direction from either side, stop being afraid of them and start exercising a little bit of tough love. I think we need a little tough love from the United States, a little tough love from Canada and say, Hey, look, you guys both behave and we're going to we're going to we're going to sit down. We're going to find a way to fix this. And Canada should be in a peacekeeping role over there in that way, but not sending weapons to one side that this, so they can use them just to kill the other side. No, I that's kind of, I 100 percent agree with you on the on the weapons aspect for sure. I, I still 
I think we need to stay out of it. We should offer means of mediation. We should offer things like that. But we shouldn't be sending them money. We shouldn't be sending them tanks. And we shouldn't be sending them any gun. Mm. I mean, maybe we could send them all those protesters. Like, I'd be fine with that. We could... Maybe we could start a GoFundMe. We could start a GoFundMe on the on Maverick News where we will pay your all expenses flight. We'll give you a parachute and a first aid kit and we'll throw you off over the Gaza Strip and they could all land in there and they could they have could a big protest. Have, yeah, there we go. <laughs> their big protest there. Yeah. The the problem with withdrawing support. Uh, though, I think is if we see if, if the United, this is what, what the, the Palestinians, this is what Hamas, this is what the countries aligned with them want. They want the support from the United States in particular gone because once that's gone, Israel is wide open and they will be wiped off the face of the planet. Like Israel will cease to exist. Yeah. That's the end of it. So that's what they're after. And I, I don't know that if, I don't think morally we can allow that to happen either. So I don't think we can allow that to happen either. No, I, I don't think so. And I I agree with the fact that Israel shouldn't blow them off of the right. off of whatever. And then there's there's so many dirty tactics too, right? Like these this is Hamas is an institution that uses civilians as human shields. Like it's what they do. Yep. It's what they're famous for. They did it in the 2000s. They did it this time. They they have always done it, and they will continue to do it forever and always. Yeah. And uh, that puts any country fighting terrorists who use those kinds of tactics, and they put civilians in harm's way intentionally. Um, you know, they might as well get some duct tape and duct tape a baby to their chest and then run around and and fight the war, you know, like it's, it's, it really literally kind of comes down to that. And what's going on over there right now. And this is what people I don't think are cluing into is all those civilians being killed just because they're being held there. They're, they're not being allowed by Hamas to leave or they're, you know, being pushed out in front of the, um, the Israeli armed forces. And they're like, okay, like we want our hostages back and we're going through. We're not stopping. So. And like a a strange aspect to this is that the Muslim world in in North America is coming to their rescue. However, none of the Muslim countries in the area care. Like they're like, we don't want it. We don't want you here. See, and there's a culture. Like if if you look at what, uh, and I, I don't profess to be, an expert at all when it comes to um, Muslim culture or religion. But I do know this. I know that, you know, if you, if you go to the Quran, it, 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 you're not supposed to kill yourself, but there has been in radical Islam, a shift in ideology in in the way that they look at that, because if you kill yourself, in a suicide bombing or you sacrifice yourself um, for certain reasons, for the greater good, for defensive property, to, to further a milit- um, militaristic cause. Yep. There, there are certain things that if you sacrifice your, your life, that is like 
an instant passage and forgiveness for all sins, instant passage into heaven and where you're going to get your your virgins, right? And yeah. and your family will be taken care of. And it's what they would refer to as a halal death. It's um, you can try to live a good life and, and do all these different things, but you could be a terrible person, but then sacrifice yourself that way. And because of the, the culture now, which has really evolved a lot since about the 1980s, as I understand it, um, you, you know, all your sins are forgiven and it's, it's instant passage into, into an afterlife where you are taken care of and you're, and everything is forgiven. So it's, um, it's an interesting study and it's, it's a reality. And, and these children as well, like it's all about the martyr martyrdom. All every death right now in Gaza is being used as every, every person killed is being used as a martyr. They're trying to yeah. show it as much as they can on social media so that they can um, elevate their power through victimhood, through, that uh identity politics they through... they are masters of it yeah. too yes like like I, have you seen the ads on youtube i don't think i have no i've had ads on youtube that said we need your help in gaza the little children are dying send mm -hmm. us money now send us money now mm -hmm. and i'm like mm -hmm. we went from like you guys being all mad that coca-cola like ditched you in, like in 2010 12 during the ad apocalypse it's called and then now yeah. you're showing this for your your commercials what are you doing yeah so you know i i don't know uh i'm i don't i want to i want the killing to stop period and uh, i'd like to have a solution and i think these people now saying that there can be no two-state solution and you know some of this stuff is disingenuous these calls Absolutely. for a ceasefire coming from some are disingenuous. You, they call for a ceasefire here, and then over there, they're in the streets yelling, you know, um, yeah, Israel is going to be is going to be gone. We're going to dismantle Israel. I so, want I want, I want any want? solution. I want any solution that's not going to be a final solution. Yeah, I'm with you, my friend, in that regard. Yeah. Well, Brendan, um, it's about that time. So I'll throw it over to you for some final thoughts tonight. Hey, thanks for having me again. Two in a row. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good show. And it's, it was great to have Liz on and Chris. Thank you, Chris, for um, coming on and sharing your, uh, your Great White North tales with us. Uh, it's going to be another frosty night for a lot of people here in Kanakistan. And Honky says hello. You know, this is Honky. He's my mascot. <laughs> Honky the Freedom Goose. There you go. And I will be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, folks. Really appreciate uh, you guys spending the time with us here tonight. And uh, love you all. Catch you on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.